0: Welcome to Work-Life-Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be discussing getting thrown under the bus in the deep dive before we answer an audience question and an issue from the internet.
1: But first... Time for the daily standup. I cannot wait for what you have in store for me, Frank. I have a feeling, deep down in my body, that it'll be a good one. Well, I want to talk about a new
0: limited edition beer that I want to try, but I don't mm-hmm. think I'm
1: going to get the chance. Okay. now, Now, why will you not get the chance to try this beer, Frank? Because it's only available
0: in Oregon... Mhm. And it's called The
1: Last Blockbuster. <laughs> uh is it made or sold in the Last Blockbuster in the United States? It is made for The Last Blockbuster in the United States. That is wonderful.
0: Literally I mean... <laughs> there is a single blockbuster that remains.
1: Uh where is it at? Like I I I know that there's only one, but I haven't necessarily... <laughs> I couldn't be arsed to go look it up. It's in Bend, Oregon. Okay. And essentially, the
0: the Blockbuster stores themselves in, in that area, they were owned by the franchisees. Okay. And so, as the rest of the company shut down, they didn't necessarily have to shut down. Now, of course, I I imagine there's no corporate that's making any new signage or anything for them, but (laughs) they, they own the Blockbuster. Oh. And I guess being smart and or forward thinking, they bought the building that the Blockbuster was in. Okay. Apparently a while ago so they know they don't have to shut down the Blockbuster because they don't have to pay rent.
1: Mm. So they don't pay rent, they don't pay uh f- I guess franchising fees anymore because you know the franchising business is is closed. Uh so I mean are they pretty much just like regular operational costs is all they are on the hook for? It seems like it. Huh. Now they charge
0: like $30 a
1: month to be a member.
0: So it has now become an elite blockbuster.
1: I thought for a second you were about to say they charge like $30 per Blu-ray. Like I was about to shit my pants over that that number. I was ready. My my outrage was prepared. But now $30 a month, that's, you know, that's acceptable. Do they charge per video as well? They do.
0: It's 99 cents a day. So I mean pretty much the same as your red box or whatever. But at right. this point they're mostly surviving on the fact that they've got a core like hardline group of of customers in town. Right. And then uh tourists who are coming. Like there are now tourists <laughs> coming to visit the last remaining blockbuster on
1: earth. Wow. Um I mean yeah, because th- if I was anywhere in the neighborhood, I think I'd probably swing by. Because, you know, when I was growing up, you know, that was in the the time of VHS and, uh, you know, we had a VHS player, but, you know, we didn't really have the money to buy like a shit ton of VHSs. So, you know, the trip to uh, it's funny the the local video store was called Mr. Pooh's Mr. Really? Pooh's video P-O-O-H and like Winnie the yeah, Winnie the uh you know i'm surprised he didn't get sued but uh, maybe it, it originally was like winnie pooh video uh and he had to change it to mr pooh to throw off the the licensing officials but yeah i mean i remember going there you know every like friday or saturday and honestly my my most vivid memory is like walking through and looking at videos and saying there's nothing fucking here like we're in a, a city of like a thousand people, and there is nothing nothing to rent that that isn't already taken um like whoa God what was that movie um there's a big movie that came out in like ninety three i I do not remember what it was um but essentially they got one copy of it when it first released. And, you know, they had like a waiting list of like 10 people uh, that once it came back, they'd they'd call the next person. Um, So in order there, there was no instant gratification whatsoever. Like you had to plan far in advance if you wanted to, to get that that video the more i talk about this the more i realize it was a really shitty experience that i have rose-colored glasses for <laughs> i mean it's just how we used to do business back in the
0: day and right. and for that like that's just where we were because yeah i mean i i can remember walking into the the various we had a couple different video rental stores and i think they still do in my hometown have at least one um mm. video rental place right and, you know, they had a particular smell, the layout, and just kind of going through and looking at all the box art and stuff like that. And, right. You know, that's an experience. Yeah, looking at the box art, definitely. And I'm sure in the future, my kids will be like, oh, man, remember Netflix?
1: Netflix was pretty cool. <laughs> Do you remember when we had to actually, like, click a button and and voluntarily stream something instead of just automatically experiencing it all at once? Um, just by thinking it man those were some good old days (laughs) those were the good old days you know come to think about it like okay uh, going on a tangent on that real quick I want to know like I can't think of how we can really like make what we've got any better I guess it's kind of the whole point of like innovation like you don't know how much better it can get until it gets better but like you know, instant streaming and things like that, like there's very little that we have to wait for. I mean, how can it improve much further? Like if you think about it, like what I just said about the the whole like you know, you you think something and all of a sudden like you you download, you know, the entire Avengers Infinity War to your brain and you you basically like remember the whole thing, but you never actually watched it. Like is is that like the experience we're after? Like is that where we're going? Or is there always going to be, like, we can't we can't get this too much more um, efficient because a two-and-a-half-hour two movie still has to be experienced in two-and-a-half hours? I mean, I think, well, one, disruptive technology is disruptive because nobody
0: was planning for it. Like, nobody knew that it was coming. So I'm sure it's going right. to be something that, that we can't think of now, lest we would have the next Netflix on our hands and we would be like... Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast, but we're off to go get rich. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I imagine, and, and here's the thing, it might actually go backwards in some respects. Like, I could see if if 3D sort of technology took off, or they had some way that you could experience uh, films in, you know, 3D sort of uh, immersion that was just kind of downloaded to your headset and and you didn't have to put on the funny glasses or whatever right but i imagine the file size on that would be enormous and it might be the kind of thing <laughs> that would be difficult to get those kinds of files across a network and so you might end up going back to having video
1: stores right <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty good point i think that like a a vr movie experience i mean what if you had the ability to like download uh, you know, some VR experience of a movie and you could kind of move around in it and you could interact with stuff. Uh, oh wait, that's called a video game. Like <laughs> 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 we, we are already constructing VR video games. Now I will say there is merit that there has very rarely been a good video game based on a movie, you know, so just cut out the middle man entirely. Don't try to make a video game out of the movie. Just literally, drop people into the world, that has some interesting ramifications for certain types of movies. Oh, Mm. I imagine. So (laughs) somebody, some skeevy person is, uh, that's all they're doing right now. Like they have like some angel investors that are paying them millions to try to come up with a way to, to, to make truly interactive VR porn guaranteed. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and little do they know, everybody's just going and getting their freak on in Second Life.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a Oh, that's a gross reference. Oh. <laughs> I never I never personally logged into Second Life, but I have talked to several people that have that talked to several people that are reformed Second Lifers. And boy howdy, that is an interesting world that that man has created (laughs) i'm so glad i'm so glad that was like in, in kind of a different lane from me because i think that if i had like learned about it when i was you know just starting on the internet and things like that i i feel that like oh it's a it's an imaginary world that you can go and just create your own stuff like that would be appealing and then derek would have been lost to the dark side right <laughs> what if it lost lost a second life that that sounds terrible <sighs> you know what else sounds terrible let's go to the deep dive today on the deep dive we're going to talk about getting thrown under the bus when something goes awry in the workplace the higher-ups might come looking for a head to roll and if you're unlucky one of your coworkers or your boss might offer you up as tribute and blame the whole damn thing on you so frank is it safe to say that being thrown under the bus is probably one of the most frustrating things to happen at the office
0: may the odds be ever in your favor yeah i i think so um and it and it's it's happened to me before but not quite to the same extent although now that i'm thinking about it to some extent as a project manager like i'm a professional bus (laughs) chucking. like i get (laughs) chucked under the bus that's almost my job.
1: I, I am a speed bump for the bus. <laughs> professional, professional speed bump. Oh, that's great. <laughs>
0: yeah, because at the worst point, like, uh, and I think I've said it before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but uh, to some extent, a project manager's job in the worst case is to uh, exhaustively document exactly why they got laid off. <laughs> that is the third time you've said that. Yeah. Just, just so, keep score. <laughs> and it, it, it comes up because Bears it's repeating. true. Like, that's right. That's where project managers tend, to, uh, tend to, to end up, is, you know, this is, you guys shouldn't do this. This is going to be bad for the project. The project goes in the toilet, and they're like, well, we don't have any money to pay
1: you. And, you know, just for, just the role that the project manager has, that, you know, essentially, everyone is kind of taking cues from the project manager. So I guess it, it makes sense that, you know, if anybody is going to be blamed for, you know, the, the project not being delivered on time or being over budget or, you know, not functioning, you know, blame the project manager. Like that's a, that's a pretty easy scapegoat. Yeah. But, you know, I too have had this happen, uh, several times. I, I think, you know, there was one, when we were talking about bad bosses, I believe I kind of regaled the story of essentially the time where I was in a meeting with higher ups and my boss threw our entire team under the bus and made us look like complete assholes, which was which was completely horrendous. But since then, it has happened again and again. I think with the excep- with the exception of maybe two places that I've worked at so far out of the eight or nine workplaces that I've had, uh, I've been thrown under the bus like my, my first job out of college, like the first one that I had, you know, I got hired on as a, you know, kind of a a database specialist, um, you know, more or less for, you know, day-to-day transactional data and stuff. And so my whole job was to fix data problems. I mean, I had production access. And so as you expect to happen, I accidentally made a mistake one time. Um, and it was on a small table for a small client. So, you know, on the, on the scale of things that I could have just, like, force deleted or, you know, force updated or drop tables and shit like that, like, this is this was chump change compared to it. But, you know, essentially one of the guys that I was working with, he... He was in a meeting, and somebody... Like, I, I sent an email to the group saying, hey, you know, I accidentally deleted these. You know, just... I, I wanted to get it... Kind of get out ahead of it as much as I could. And all of a sudden, like, from probably 200 feet away, I heard stomping. And this motherfucker came through our office like a bull in a china shop. You know, I'd already like, got one of the database engineers to to pull a backup. And like, we were restoring the database as we spoke, like, and we, we would have lost like five minutes worth of data. So yeah, this guy comes charging through. And, you know, he wasn't my boss, like he was kind of one of our leaders, but he wasn't a boss. Um, and he starts like doing everything short of like throwing me around the office. And, you know, my boss comes by who was a really cool guy and he starts pitching a fit to the boss. Like basically, you know, obviously it was my fault, but going above and beyond to blame, you know, (laughs) to blame all of the, all of life's problems on me. And, It it was a tough situation to be in because I was in the wrong. I, I made a mistake. You know, I claimed it as soon as it happened. Um, but he still did everything he could to, to, to see that I was thrown under the bus, like to make sure that the bus like rolled over me, stopped, backed up and then rolled over me again. And and that was tough. Like that, you know, that was a, a tough experience to, to have early on in my career, but it certainly made me more careful um but it definitely it definitely made me hate assholes even more.
0: Oh yeah. No, I mean bus chuckers are the worst sort of coworker. Yeah. And and I I will say I tend to hold grudges for people who aren't helpful. And and being unhelpful like the bus chucker is a is an extreme example thereof. Like not only are you not being helpful, but you're actively trying to destroy other
1: people. Right. And that's, that's part of my, what I want to cover about the, the question is that, you know, obviously somebody else throwing you under the bus is like, it, it feels bad. It's, you know, it's kind of a slap in the face, but like, as far as mechanically speaking, what as well mechanically from like a process perspective, like what is the, the, the bad part about throwing somebody under the bus? Like, what does that represent that is so harmful to the process?
0: Well, uh, I mean f- from a process standpoint or from a team standpoint, very specifically, like the most important aspect that a team can have is trust. And so that erodes trust. And very often you'll you'll get a lot of this from uh from f- parts of the organization that don't have to work together. Uh if they're if they're distant or if, you know, person A doesn't work in the same building as person B, but they're working on the same project, then you'll, then you'll find where people throw each other under the bus a lot because they don't have to see each other and they don't really consider
1: the other person or their feelings. Because they don't have that human aspect. Like, they, like it's, it's a lot easier to, like, say something shitty to somebody over the phone than it is to say it to them in person, where you can actually see their face and their crestfallen ex- expression. It's also easier to make, like, horrible bathroom-related humor With somebody that you can't see versus, uh, you know, if I were to say them in front of somebody and see their, their face just fall. Their horrified
0: expression (laughs) as they slowly take off the headphones and mute the (laughs) mic so that they can weep into their palms.
1: (laughs) See, that would have been, that would have put such a damper on the bathroom spectacular. If I had to see you weep openly uh, in person. And that's why we we record remotely. So that I can, so that we can make the comedy without having to worry about the huma- the humanity of the other person. We don't have to worry about the human cost in all of this.
0: <laughs> it was funny, Derek, but at what cost?
1: At what cost? <laughs> I, I never, never think about the cost. And, you know, part of the thing that Part of the thing that makes it so irritating um, to be thrown under the, under the bus is that, like you said, like it erodes trust and all that. Um, but it also, a, a lot of times, you know, whenever somebody gets thrown under the bus, it also has this air of th- we're we're going to throw them under the bus instead of fixing the problem. Like we are going to point at somebody and blame somebody instead of possibly fixing something. And oh yeah, and that and that part is is what I feel. Sucks. I mean, obviously, like I said, it feels shitty to get thrown under the bus. But you know, if you also know that on top of that, um, that same situation is going to persist. Like maybe there's some sort of bug or you know some sort of horrible technical flaw, um, and you know you get blamed for it. And a lot of times, like I said, that's going to come with them ignoring it until the next time it blows up, because um, they they have their their sacrificial lamb, somebody got blamed for it, problem solved. Well, no, problem not solved. <laughs> I mean, maybe somebody got fired, but unless that gets fixed, it's going to happen again.
0: And it can go on for a long time. I mean, we've talked about, you know, often the most effective people in the office are the people not doing work necessarily, but who are talking about all the work they're doing to upper management. <laughs>
1: Right. And those are the same <laughs> kinds
0: of people that are going to, you know, throw other people under the bus, especially to make themselves look good or to to cover for their own mistakes. And so you get sort of this cycle where, you know, they they are not doing any work. Work doesn't get done. They blame somebody else. That person, you know, ends up catching the heat for
1: it. It's it's a it's a very toxic sort of situation to be in. Absolutely. Um okay, so If you are on the receiving end of this bus throwing charade, how can you, how, so let's say that, you know, something happened, it wasn't your fault. Um, and let's think about it on like a team member perspective. So you're on a team and something bad happens that your team produced and you get blamed for it, whether or not it's, it's true, um, by your coworker. So not, not necessarily a boss, like, pointing to you and saying you're the one but like a another coworker on your team pointing at you and, and placing the blame how can you save face in that situation i mean what's the best response to that like because you can't just get into a pointing match like you know, it, it doesn't necessarily help you but what can you do to It doesn't necessarily you know, help you it? but i like the judo
0: throw <laughs> reverse bus <laughs> toss Right. (laughs) Where you use the person's momentum standing on the curb. They're coming at you ready to push you under the bus. And then you just kind of hip toss them and the hip toss is executed with copious amounts of documentation.
1: See, but the problem is, is that most of the time that I've seen somebody attempt that kind of, you know, (laughs) that judo you know throw to to use their momentum against them um to then throw them under the bus what normally happens is that you know the you know they're about to get thrown they they grab the other person and then they both get pulled under the bus and both of them get fucked like i mean to some extent that's fine like <laughs> from the depths <laughs>
0: least- of hell i stab at thee is kind of how i roll <laughs> so if if we're all if i'm going down we're all going to go down that's just how right. it is
1: it's it's less about self preservation and more about like increasing the amount of agony and horror that happens in the situation. I can't go back to prison, Derek. I'm too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of the times when I've seen this happen, uh, you know, it's been it's been typically like in meetings or when because there's there's a couple different ways. Like it, it can either be a Direct, Like, you're meeting with the boss, and somebody who's in the same room as you says it was Derek's fault. Or, you know, it's, you know, everybody's trying to fix fix the problem, and all of a sudden the boss comes to you and says, Oh, somebody said it was your fault. So, they can either do it directly or, you know, kind of do the end run and talk shit about you behind your back. Maybe if you have good rapport with your boss, like, you can... um, and, And... you know, all this is, is assuming that, that whoever is getting the information about who's to blame is out of touch with what's going on. Because, I mean, I remember, you know, back when I used to be a manager, if I had somebody coming to me screaming, saying, you know, okay, well, well Tim, you know, fucked up the database. You know, it's all his fault. And I know that, like, Tim is, like, the best one we got. Like, if if he fucked it up, that's that's one thing. But we're not just going to, like... Send him to the guillotine for for doing something. Bad shit happens like that. It's it's just the nature of the beast. But like, you will get a good sense of who's telling the truth. Like, <laughs> if if your worst employee comes yelling about something bad that your best employee did, you will probably take that with a grain of salt. To be honest. Well, then that's that's just an ineffective push from the bus stop. Like. <laughs> That happens sometimes. <laughs> oh, so okay. There, there's there's a couple of different ways that it can work out. Either the the a the bus throwing is successful, and you know they they walk up, grab the person, throw them right under the bus. You know b you have the the judo uh, response of you know one person goes to throw and the other one just gr- grabs them and throws them under the bus. Um, then the third, uh, or or c as it were. Is where somebody goes to throw somebody under the bus and they completely miss and end up under the bus themselves <laughs> without any involvement whatsoever. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that that happens. That happens quite
0: a bit, especially with incompetent people. But mm. I mean, a lot of the bus chucking that goes on happens to be sales guys. I'll be honest. Right. And and like their entire thing where they make their money is being personable and getting people to trust them. Right. And so it's, it's especially difficult because they have the ability to, to gin up a a story that people are going to believe that, you know, alleviates them from blame and then places
1: that blame on someone else. Right. But if they are found to, to be in the wrong in that case, since their entire rapport is built on, on trust relationships and they're found to be untrustworthy then i mean they're basically completely fucked so well it
0: would be great if that were the case Derek, but that's generally not the
1: case <laughs> just doesn't regularly happen that way
0: no i mean those those guys are usually teflon you can you can get them dead to rights and they'll just slip right out of it because they're you know they're <laughs> slick and they're good at talking to people so and that's why you have to document 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 and bring receipts
1: so, as far as like getting thrown under the bus, when, when the bus chucking happens, is it is it more heinous, in your opinion, to 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 be thrown under the bus by your boss, or to be thrown under the bus by somebody that's relatively on your level?
0: I mean, getting getting chucked out there and and hung up to dry by someone who is your coworker is probably the worst. Like to some extent, you can you can expect it with sort of a supervisor or a boss. So if that boss is catching heat, then he's just going to turn and have that, you know, shit flows downhill (laughs) sort of thing. Right. And and it's going to go downhill towards the next guy in line. Right. And so it's usually, it's a little bit more of a sting when it's the guy who's been sitting next to you, you know, and he's goofed up something and he's like, you did it. And (laughs) sort of, he's seeking to get you in trouble. Which is why it's such, a, it's such a pernicious thing, as I said, because it erodes trust on the team. And really, trust is one of the fundamental core uh, elements that are needed by a team in order for it to become a, a functional team. Right. Since the elevators in this office are unreliable at best, we'll just move on to an audience question. But don't worry, everybody. There will be more Indie Podcast Corner in the future. Because Derek just can't resist sounding like the berries and cream guy.
1: (laughs) Look, I'm not going to say that's the entire reason, but I'm not going to say it doesn't play some part in it. And I will say maybe it's not always going to be the berries and cream guy. Uh, Maybe the next time, maybe the next time the indie podcast quarter comes around, uh, it'll be different and special. You have my interest. It will be back in, you know, occasionally in some form or another, but hit me with that question from the audience. All right. Audience question. So
0: dude that I thought was gay on my team might not be gay, but I already awkwardly included him in the ain't no one here, but us queers banter. Now I don't <laughs> know how to subtly figure out if he said he needed more gay shirts and talked about pride because he is gay Or because he's an ally. Sent in by Social Slip Up in Seattle.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Um this is wonderful. (laughs) I'm at a little bit of a loss for words because this is like I mean any type of social interaction where I think I've got something figured out. Like fuck, if, if let's say somebody likes likes Pepsi instead of Coke. Like if I understand that, that person likes Pepsi, like that's, that's a piece that I can, I can pull from later and, uh, to then see them walking around, uh, or to suspect them, uh, to be a Coke drinker instead, uh, that would rock me to my core <laughs> because the one thing that I knew about somebody was, you know, whether they were Pepsi or Coke and that, um, it seems now insignificant. Now I have to know, Derek, now I have to know which are you. See, the problem is, is that both Pepsi and Coke make bad products sometimes, and you, if, we're, if we're talking specifically the flagship product, you know, Coke versus Pepsi, I will probably say Coke, but if we're talking about the family of products, then I would say Pepsi, because I love me some Diet Mountain Dew. Like, that is my shit. Yeah, yeah. All right, legit. Legit. I'll allow it. Yeah, um, but this is the stuff of nightmares, because it's not something insignificant as in, as well, I, I guess if you're from Atlanta, it's pretty significant whether you like Coke or Pepsi, um, but everything else like it's insignificant. Uh, and I would still obsess over that. Like, oh, God, I thought I knew this person. Um, and for something significant like this, uh, that could come with some serious repercussions uh, if you were to make a gaffe of that nature. That is fucking terrifying.
0: I mean, it's terrifying, (laughs) but but in this instance, he was looking for gay shirts, which I, there's not a lot of context here, so I don't. I'm imagining it was like, where can I find more shirts like that had some sort of pride thing on them?
1: Right. To, to uh, be like, you know, had been to produced for pride and stuff as right.
0: opposed to either happy shirts where we've really, really sort of mischaracterized the situation that he was looking for <laughs> gay shirts and he just wanted right. some happy, bright and colorful shirts. Sure. Other than that, I don't like, I can't think of any specifically gay shirts. So I'm, I'm no. hoping it's a pride shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if he's asking for a pride shirt, well, then I think we're in the clear because I don't think anybody that's specifically seeking out like pride paraphernalia is mm-hmm. going to become super offended at having been clocked
1: for gay. I, I agree with that because, you know, obviously I am I am as cis and and white and everything like that's just me. Um, We're the so patriarchy. I am, yeah, <laughs> I'm the patriarchy. Um, I'm always on the sidelines. I'm always, you know, in, in a role of advocacy, uh, for these types of situations. And, and it's always a tough balance because I, you know, I want to be the type of advocate that helps not, not hurts. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest, like if somebody was to like, essentially in the situation, like put me on the, you know, what was it? Nothing ain't nothing here but us
0: (laughs) ain't nobody here but us queers i guess is the uh maybe
1: it's a used group uh you know honestly if uh if i was included on that banner you know being you know straight sis all that kind of stuff i actually would probably be flattered uh but most of the the gay males that i know their fashion is on point their you know their body routines are on point their hygiene is on point uh there's a lot of stuff to aspire to they're you know they're they're the colors that they're able to present are fucking fantastic and things that i'm i'm starting to get into like myself like wearing like purples and um you know like pinks and stuff like that because you know i i truly enjoy like the way that i feel when i have those you know very bright colors because if i'm just wearing like blacks and whites and uh or like like black checkers and stuff like that like i feel i don't know kind of feel like you're calling out my wardrobe here derek I'm talking about me, Frank. I'm not saying that you should feel this way. I'm saying I feel this way.
0: Then again, I am sitting here in a uh, royal blue gaiabera shirt,
1: so <laughs> uh, I, I have spots of like light blue on here, and maybe some some yellows. So I have some color on this on this black shirt that I'm wearing. But to, to, to be honest, like I think I would be flattered uh, to be included. And I I know that's probably not the same for everybody. I I think there are some people that are very, um, their identity is very tightly knit into their straightness. And I think some people would probably come fucking unglued (laughs) if, uh, if that was the case. But I feel that if this is a workplace where like that type of banner would be, uh, you know, would be cool. I think, I think you're right. I think, there probably is not a whole lot of problem for being, being mistaken one way or the other.
0: Now, if this is some sort of internal use group, I think you can, without saying anything, say something, which is just like, hey, do you want to, do you still want to be part of this group? Are you cool with that? And that doesn't necessarily say anything other than you're, you know, reaffirming <laughs> consent for them to be part of your, uh, I'm guessing, really gay memes list serve <laughs> or chat room. <laughs> We've got a
1: Slack channel that it's just nothing but memes. Okay. So I, I think I actually, I might have a solution for this and I'm, I'm going I'm to go out on a limb and saying that this actually might be something that could work. Uh, so essentially for this to be, you know, uh, they, for people to be a part of a celebration, there are multiple levels of you know money that they have to pitch in. So if they are just kind of like an outsider advocate, they can pitch in. You know, to be a part of it, they have to pitch in a dollar. But to get onto the banner, you know, they got to put in a little bit extra. So let's say it's five dollars to get your name on the banner, just because it'll cost maybe some extra to get created. And then you walk up to this person and say, "Hey." Uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're collecting the, the funds for the event. Uh, can I get your funds from you? And so if they pay you a dollar, you know, they're an advocate, not, not a member, but if they pay you $5, then you know that they're a member and that they want to be on that banner.
0: That works. I like that. That's a really good plan. I guess it guess beats not out funny, my but... secondary plan, which was just to be like, Hey, this is awkward, but are
1: you gay? Right I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I I think that is I think that is honestly the proper way to to handle this, but at the same time, like it does seem like it's crossing you know it's crossing a boundary because like they're <laughs> you can't just ask people can't just ask people if they're gay frank like that doesn't there' are just some things you can't ask people. <laughs> whether or not they are like that is am, am i wrong here like is is that am i reading too much into it like <laughs> i i i think how do you like, balance the the cross between you know asking because you know it's important information and you know they the answer will, will only make a functional difference on whether or not the names on the banner versus like asking a truly personal question that, that that somebody may not really want to answer about that,
0: I mean, I think if they're if they're asking to put in an extra order of gay shirt <laughs> <laughs> we're probably at the level where we can talk about this kind of stuff, like I don't know if we're necessarily deep deep in the
1: closet <laughs> if we're asking for more gay shirts. I can see that you know I, I, th- I guess I think uh, I was kind of um. Excluding the fact that they were, you know, asking for, you know, the, you know basically a, a shirt to be a part of the event somewhat. Um, so it shows that they are, are somewhat woke to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And here's
0: the thing. It's almost it's almost an imperative that you say this and ask this person, because if they're going to get offended by it, then they're probably getting the shirts to make sure that they're not on the street. They're trying to take the shirts off the street. <laughs> Because they're an inside man. At that point, you know, you're uncovering the mole.
1: Wow, that is a very... That's a very dim prospect. Like, like, holy crap. You know, we're we're advocating for this cause. And we sold 100,000 shirts. And then the next day, you know, the haters are having a bonfire of 100,000 shirts. Like, that'd be real sad. I mean, I guess it's a means to an end because that... (laughs) That organization still made, like, $500,000 at minimum, so I guess it's kind of a snake eating itself, but...
0: I mean, (laughs) I'm just gonna go ahead and put out there that for a certain demographic, apparently buying the shit and then setting fire to it (laughs) is the best way they can think of to boycott things.
1: Oh, that is fucking topical. Holy shit! (laughs) Hold on, let me go buy some more shirts so I can set the bitches on fire. <laughs> I
0: got all your gay shirts. I got all the gay shirts, and I paid full price
1: retail for them too. I paid extra even for the for the extra large sizes. Ha-ha, I added good. a dollar to
0: the NAACP, but by God, I got all your gay
1: shirts. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Some people, not necessarily the brightest bulbs in the box.
0: God damn uh. it.
1: <laughs> Want to get to an issue from the internet, Derek? Let's do it. I need to come up with a better better transitional phrase than, let's do that, or, yes. <laughs> I feel they're getting a little stale. I mean, it's functional. It's functional. Um and but a little I think more believable than if you were like
0: fuck yeah. <laughs> very You're like, rarely
1: damn, Derek, yeah, settle it down. It's just a podcast, man. Very rarely have I ever been excited to get to anything uh that came from the internet, to be honest. So <laughs> Okay, this issue from the internet. Uh I'm not reading that fucking name. Uh, that is gibberish, and this person should be fucking ashamed. Um, From gibberish. I'm like, All right. No, I'm calling them Glen Hilda. That sounds like- Glenn Hilda. Name. So, Glennhilda Hilda asks, is my boss asking too much? My boss is a single dad of a six-year-old boy, and I-, I <laughs> I'm sorry. The way that, that that reads, like, my boss is only a single dad. Like, well, I hope, like, what? what's the alternative? Being a double dad? Yes. <laughs> He is two dads. He
0: is two dads. Standing
1: on top of each other in a trench coat. <laughs> See well, well. There's your fucking problem. My boss is a single dad of a 6-year-old boy and he regularly regularly leaves him at the shop for me to babysit. The first time he did this, he just dropped the boy here and ran out the door. <laughs> he did he didn't actually ask me if it was okay to look after the boy until the third time he left him here. Now I feel like it's too late to say no. When the boy's here, he occupies the only chair in the shop, leaving me to stand for my 13-hour shifts. God damn. And he watches Netflix on the iPad. We use Apple Square, so the iPad is our till. <laughs> Jesus. Oh Christ. my god. What? Whenever I need to make a transaction, I have to wrestle the a- the iPad away from him, and he kicks me and screams until I give it back to him. Uh, the boy will also slap my butt, which I find very annoying. Uh, the only time the boy will get up is when we are suddenly very busy and the parking lot is full of people in cars. He will run out without notice and run into the parking lot. <laughs> uh, oh, damn it. I'm busy with customers, so I can't watch him, but I also don't trust the patrons here. And what if someone snatches him? Is my boss asking too much? He doesn't pay me extra for all this, and it's not in my job description. I just feel that I can't say no because of power differences that exist between boss and minimum wage employees. We aren't peers. I'm also not very good with kids. I don't think that part need to be said. Like... I it think doesn't that matter whether clear.
0: or not you're good with kids at this point
1: <laughs> you're, you're right i i don't think it matters whether or not you're good at kids like this is clearly um taking advantage of somebody
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i God. think legally speaking the term is some old bullshit <laughs>
1: I didn't know we were going to get so technical on this on this podcast Frank. Indeed. I I hate to have to to you know haul out about the my legalese? my 10
0: cent words.
1: But there we are.
0: No, the but what immediately comes to mind is whenever the boss comes to drop the kid off and leave, you just say cool, I'm glad that you're having me relieved and my shift is over and the new dude's <laughs> shift starts. <laughs> and you just pin a little name holy tag to him <laughs> and he I mean he's already holy sitting on the chair fuck. and he's already got the iPad he's so already got the he iPad can, so he's he can ready make everything up
1: holy shit
0: I mean it seems like little man is ready to work all he needs is an apron that is fucking amazing
1: get that oh. duty uniform <laughs> oh god uh, I mean he's not very good at upcharging but my God, people just love him. So he's he's employee of the month now. <laughs> Especially when he starts screaming, slapping people on the ass, and running into the <laughs> parking lot. See, I mean, you know, there's some establishments that you go in uh, just to be mistreated. So I think that this is this is part of their shtick now. <laughs> it's, it's a new movie because you have like Boss Baby. Um, now you have like. Menial worker toddler. I don't. There we go. I was come. I was trying to pull something, but menial worker toddler. God, that is amazing. No, but like the the thing that like really jumped out to me the first time was that like the the first time he did this, he just dropped the boy there and ran out the fucking door. Like that is, in my opinion, like first and foremost that that proves that he knew that what he was doing he shouldn't have been doing like he knows
0: yeah that's uh, the unless, kind of move that you pull when you know
1: that what you're doing is some old bullshit right um I mean unless like he came back with like an explanation of like you know oh shit i i i didn't I didn't have time to explain I had to go do something um like I don't know, I had to, to go to the hospital or something. Um, I had to resuscitate somebody in the parking lot. Like if there was an excuse, then maybe, I mean, it's not excusable, but at least then maybe it, it wouldn't out and prove that he knew what he was doing. Uh, You know, and by knowing, I mean, knowing that he was taking advantage of somebody. Um, But this is like the shittiest thing. uh, Not okay. Not the shittiest thing. It is a shitty thing to do. Um, and I cannot imagine if in my retail days, if somebody had fucking done this to me, um, cause a, we've already got a problem because I, I am not good with kids. Like in my family, we didn't have a whole lot of young children. So I don't know how to act around kids. Like they're, they're, they're weird. Like they're just like, <laughs> they are, they're little creatures that do weird shit. And I, I can't read them. I, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do. So those, those, those chaos monkeys are, are a problem. And I don't want to be in charge of them. Like I don't have kids. Like I chose not to have me be in charge of another human being. And that's the way I prefer it. Frank, like I want it to stay that way.
0: Well, that's why I said, you just treat the kid as an equal. Uh, and and 100% legit, like the moment little dude started playing around on the iPad that we used to check out customers, I would have just quietly excused all the customers from the store and locked the door uh-huh. and been like, when the boss came back all upset, be like, sorry, man, was impossible to do business because there's some little kid on the iPad. Don't know where he came from.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just Just completely play stupid. And...
0: <laughs> Alternately, um, you put the kid in a closet somewhere, and then when the boss comes back and asks where his kid is, you're just like, oh, one of the
1: customers bought him. <laughs> were we, Were we not supposed to sell the kid? I mean, you left him in here with all the merchandise, so I assumed that you meant for him to be sold. He didn't work here. He wasn't buying anything, so we just figured he was... <laughs>
0: Oh, oh my You a little God. tiny price tag and everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This is bringing out, this is bringing out a lot more funny scenarios than I intended. <laughs> I didn't expect you to hit two home runs in once or in, in one bit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. But no. Okay. So obviously we have the, uh, we we have three responses to this so far. Uh we've got the treat him as a fellow employee or as your the person that is relieving you um which is a, a fucking funny move to pull. There is the locking the door until you know the boss comes back because he pulled a bullshit move so you're going to act in kind um and and shut the place down or three act like he was <laughs> he was sold to the highest bidder. Um what other recourse can this person have other than obviously like, you know, reporting him to his supervisor or you know, just out and out saying, quit your bullshit. What other funny things can we get a hat trick for for funny things to do to get this fucker back? I'm not going to be responsible for this. Like, I, I don't have the creativity tonight <laughs> to come up with a funny response. Uh, can you get three in a row? Well, now you're putting me on the spot, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> if I had some Jeopardy music and we wouldn't get sued for using it, I would, uh, I would play it for you. I could, I could hum a few bars if that would help you think.
0: I mean, this is the point also where it becomes one of those uh, adult kid buddy comedy films. Oh, that absolutely. were especially popular in the '80s. So this is when you just you closed the store. And it's time for you to go on a road trip to find this kid's dad across like five states.
1: You did it. Holy shit. Uh, Maybe that wasn't necessarily a response to this, but like, I think, I think you have solved it because I believe this is a setup for a late eighties, early nineties kid cop movie. Wow. They're, they're rebooting the series and this person didn't even realize and they're missing an opportunity like this could be a, a summer blockbuster.
0: Come on, Ryan. We're going to find your dad. <laughs>
1: well, I know where he is. He's he's just at the strip club. It's like <laughs> then then Ryan, we're going to the strip club. <laughs> oh, God, uh, that will be the last sentence you say before you are thrown in handcuffs and you are sent to prison. for your horrible crimes i mean you were just returning the kid at that
0: point like and and honestly i think (laughs) yeah like i'm gonna take the kid to wherever the dad is and i'm gonna show up and i'm gonna like hand over the kid and then slowly take off my apron and paper hat because this is you know that's definitely the uniform that you're wearing here some sort of apron some sort of little paper hat to to what end are you taking them off I'm gonna neatly fold them and then I'm gonna turn them in like my badge.
1: Oh, I Be thought like you meant you were going to <laughs> to join the stripping by taking off your, your hat and your apron and your shirt then then your pants <laughs> then your undershirt and get in I on the strip. I was always meant action. to dance, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, And, and the thing that, that makes your stripping so amazing is the fact that like, you know, I feel that you, and and maybe not you, um, the, the thing that would make my stripping so enticing is that I have so many fucking layers on that, you know, with, with, you know, the strippers that are dancing nowadays, you know, they don't really have clothes on to begin with. Like, it's like one, you know, one pair of tearaway pants and they're just like butt ass naked. No, mine will be a journey like we're we're going to have to remove you, you can't count Derek's the layers I got the dance of the seven
0: on. veils is the dance <laughs> of the seven hoodies
1: <laughs> right <laughs> oh it will um it will take the better part of an hour and there will be no time lost like it is it is all <laughs> there's no sexy dancing it is literally all removing garments that's how many garments i have on <laughs> and in the, and at the end like everybody pays for an hour and at the end, if I happen to not get to the bottom layer, you just get, you just don't get to see skin. Like that's the risk you take. <laughs> that's it. That's legit. <laughs> but no, if, if this person left their kid in the store or wherever I am, it doesn't have to be like a, a, a retail store. Um, shit, Frank, if you pulled this on me now, um, and you just left your kids, I, I enjoy your, your kids. Like your kids are cool. But if you left your kids at the office and I was the only one around and you just piece the fuck out, I'd have a couple words for you when you got back. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, I, if I
0: didn't have a very good excuse, it would be one, like, what the fuck? But two, any time, like, I have brought the kids to the office before. Right. Uh, like, when unexpectedly child care falls through or something like that, I've had to bring kids to an office. But it isn't a retail shop. With one fucking working point of sale terminal that the kid then takes over with, you know, to use to watch Netflix. Or play Fortnite. (laughs) Exactly. He's
1: playing Fortnite on the (laughs) cash register, essentially. It's like, it's like, Johnny, I've got to ring this, this up. Like this person's buying a fucking iPhone. It's like, no, (laughs) there's only five left. and I want to be the winner. I'm sorry, ma'am. You're going to have to hold on for a minute. We got away from the finish this round of Fortnite. That's <laughs> see. But you know, the, the, the difference, you know, another difference with like your situation is that your kids are well fucking behaved. Like if, Oh if yeah. Your kids like started like, uh, I don't know, fucking like using Sharpies on the monitors and shit like that. Like, like that would be problematic, but like, you know, they They are well behaved, so I wouldn't expect them to just run completely fucking amok and and actually like truly interrupt you know the workflow run and, into and traffic
0: ex- as this kid apparently does,
1: oh my God, running out into the fucking parking lot when it is the most full like that's what I thought was interesting is that like it when it when it's when there's nobody in there, like he's not just gonna you know make a break for the parking lot, like he waits until it is at maximum danger. And, and like, I guess it's because maybe like there's so many people in there. They're so distracted that, you know, he knows he can, he can make a break for it. it. He's trying to make a break for it. And then I'm coming
0: around and I'm realizing that this guy isn't leaving his six year old kid there. Uh huh. We've just mistakenly kidnapped Peter Dinklage.
1: See, it, it, I, I would assume that the boss was the one that kidnapped him. Is that what we're implying? Well, Yeah so the so the boss accidentally kidnapped peter dinklage and he is trying to use the ipad uh to to signal somebody uh to summon help yeah email his guards or you know his agent um and you keep ripping it away from him and then he tries to make a break for it to go get help and you know you just pull his ass back in (laughs) it all lines up oh my god Frank, do you understand that this is the second time in a row? Uh, last week you had the whole Bueller situation. This week, I think you have correctly guessed that it's that they're actually kidnapping Peter Dinklage. You are you are on fire with seeing through to the true root of these questions. This is fantastic. That's what I do, Derek. <laughs> you are you are a true problem solver. <laughs> and- It was it
0: was reading between the lines and understanding that it was the eternally youthful good looks of veteran actor Peter Dinklage that was actually what was going
1: on here. (laughs) Now I want this to happen to me. I (laughs) I want somebody to bring me Peter Dinklage, please. (laughs) Don't say that, Derek. Well, he's so cool. Like I want to talk to him. Like could you fucking imagine if we had Peter Dinklage on this fucking podcast, Frank? The internet would fucking explode. Like, that would be amazing.
0: <laughs> would be awesome. Our podcast is not set up for this, Derek. We don't have the infrastructure. The podcast would implode. It would become a singularity, and it would be a black hole that sucks in everything.
1: <sighs> but I want it to happen. That that's the thing is that like I know that the theory is that that's what would happen, but like we don't know. Like if we had Peter Dinklage on the podcast, maybe, maybe he would. Don't don't try to touch the sun, Derek. Don't fly too high. <laughs> Just call the Icarus, baby. I'm flying for Peter Dinklage. <laughs> oh God. That's All point. right. Uh, you want to punch the clock? <laughs> yeah, let's punch the clock. <laughs> before we before Peter Dinklage puts a hit out on us for terrible <laughs> fucking comedy. <laughs> oh, he's going to be on the show, but it's going
0: to be us reading the cease and desist letter.
1: <laughs> uh our lawyers have told us that we have to read this. Uh we will no longer be producing the podcast. If you'd like to send us a question to answer on air, please send them to questions at WLICast.com. If you'd like to connect with us, you can go to WLICast.com, where you will find all of our links to social media. You'll also find links to our store, uh, our Patreon, and other ways you can support the show. And there is nothing better for growing our audience than word of mouth. And that means that if you like the show, share us with people you know. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a frenemy and get them to listen.
0: This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you.
1: Peter Dinklage, call me. Call me, baby. <laughs> ain't, ain't nobody can love you like I can. <laughs>